I also wanted to conjure up images of just a river with a bunch of really lovely pebbles that you can almost see through the clarity of the water. So, so too, Pebbles is simply a collection of really short, sweet, elegant poems that are really designed to help us cultivate that connection, not just with ourselves, not just with each other, but also with the natural world. You are listening to episode 18 of Tried and True with Caroline. On today's show, I am talking with Zach Beach. He is a yoga teacher, author, course creator, podcast host, and more. On our episode, we talk lots about what the world needs more of, what happens when you actually find lots of love within yourself and others, and so much more. So I hope you join me in listening to this week's episode. May you find lots of love in everything that you do and that you bring more love to all that is around you. This is Tried and True, a place to chat about how aligning your daily wellness routine, mindset, and self-care contribute to building meaningful businesses and relationships while curating an empowered and fulfilling life. Being an entrepreneur isn't easy, and learning to balance all of the things, that's another story, but totally worth it. Through these podcasts, my goal is to bring creative conversations to the table that empower, enlighten, and elevate your workspace wherever you are listening. If you are looking for a great place that's going to support that big dream of yours, replace your doubt with, you gotta do this thing, know that progress is better than perfection, and momentum is magic, you're in the right place. And you know that thing you keep looking for that you believe is going to change everything? I've got news for you. If you're still looking for it, I have your answer. Go and look in the mirror. You are the answer. I believe that the messages we hear are never a coincidence, and when the student is ready, the teacher appears. By listening to these conversations with experts, thought leaders, and fellow entrepreneurs, and more, you are opening the channels of expansion, allowing new sources of inspiration to ripple across your brainwaves, reminding you to come home to your already amazing self. Learn from the past, be wildly curious in the now, and blaze a new trail to the future. Your time is now, my friend. So if this sounds like your sort of conversation, I've got a seat reserved just for you. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Caroline, and let's get this show started. All right. Welcome, everyone, or welcome to the new people listening to Tried and True with Caroline. Today, I have a super awesome yogi guest, and his name is Zach Beach. He is a best-selling author and poet. He is an internationally renowned yoga teacher, love coach, and founder of the Heart-Centered Love School and the host of the Learn to Love podcast. Everything that he does is dedicated to helping people lead happier, more loving, and more fulfilling lives. And Zach walks this path of love by traveling the world and leading classes, workshops, retreats, and teacher trainings. And he sums up a lot of his teachings in his books, The Seven Lessons of Love, Hard Wisdom for Troubling Times. He also wrote two poetry collections, 108 Shavasana Poems and Drinking Roses on Sunday. And he also has a new book coming out called Pebbles, and that is in June, right? Yes. Thank you so much, June. Caroline. June. 
And one more thing, he is committed to building a world based on unconditional love and connection. So welcome, Zach. I'm super psyched to have you on this show. Um, Yeah. So let's get started. Let's talk about what drives your passion for all of this. Like those of you who are listening, obviously this is the very beginning, but if you go to Zach's website, there are (laughs) books, there are teacher trainings, there are, there's a podcast, there's, I mean, just courses, there all kinds of things, obviously all consumed with love. So what started the movement of the love? Mm. Well, first, I want to begin by just saying thank you, Caroline, for welcoming on, welcome, welcoming me on to your beautiful show. It's wonderful to be here. And it's true that I kind of do a lot of things, but to me, it's just the power of intention. I think we are told to have goals in life, like you need to be a doctor by this age. And it's very singular oriented. It's very, you have to do this one thing in the future. Mm-hmm. But living with intention opens our life up to enormous possibility. And my intention has always been to love, to better love others, this world, and to help others better love themselves and the world, and to just bring more love into the world. And with intention, there's so many different ways that one can explore that. As you are exploring love in your own life, there mm-hmm. you are exploring it in your own beautifully unique way. And it really just opens up to a world of possibility. And I really just began this path, I want to say 15 years ago, and it was the beginning of my own spiritual path. And to me, spirituality is simply reflecting on what truly matters to us and making sure that we are living in line with our deepest values. Mm-hmm. An exercise that I love to do in my classes and workshops is just getting people to reflect on what their heart really wants out of this life. And quite surprisingly, nobody's heart says they want a big house and a mansion and a Ferrari. (laughs) Everyone's heart says they want peace, connection, belonging, acceptance, happiness, and joy. And all of these are, again, wonderful intentions that we can explore different ways to bring into our life. That's awesome. How much yoga do you teach on a weekly basis? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, there have been times in my life where I've taught anywhere from maybe 18 to 20 classes a week, everywhere from gyms to studios to corporate yoga to private lessons. Mm -hmm. Um, In my age, you know, being so active, I've had to tone it down a little bit in terms of public one hour classes that I'm leading. Like Mm -hmm. right now, it's just maybe around eight to 10 classes a week. But I do like to think that everything I teach is yoga because Mm -hmm. yoga is so much more than an hour of physical asana in a studio with other people. Yoga is all about connection, right? Mm -hmm. Unity or union. And we can connect to ourselves just as much as we can connect to others as we can connect to the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm a a big fan of what are known as the three refuges. You might have heard these, the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. And the Buddha is our own awakened nature. The Sangha is our community. And the Dharma is the truth or the path that we are on. And following all of these refuges, to me, is another key way of practicing yoga, finding your community, finding your truth, and finding the own, your own love and light that you have in your own heart. Mm-hmm. 
That's a really beautiful explanation. You know, when I, when I explain yoga to people or I see like, like billboards or I see like the Geico commercials with the lizard practicing yoga. And I'm like, this is why people don't want to do yoga, (laughs) right? This is what kills it for us. Like this is what kills the whole concept of yoga because yoga is so much more than just poses. Or when people look at other people doing like these crazy poses on a rock in the Grand Canyon Mm. and they look Mm -hmm. like they're going to fall off And they're like, oh my gosh, these crazy yogi people, like this is what they do. And I'm like, no, it's really not that. (laughs) It's about connecting to yourself. It's about finding that version of you internally that exists when you get onto that mat. Like how you do life on the mat is pretty much probably how you do life off of the mat. And it's just a beautiful way to... I think, connect back to the self all of the time. Mm. That's what I want people to understand about yoga. It's not really about all of the crazy poses and how fast you can flow and all of those things. It's like just being able to connect back to you. Mm. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, and, and the, and the fact that you've been able to use it in a multitude of ways across different media types, whether it's a course, whether it's a book, Mm. whether it's a retreat, whether it's, you know, just a class in general or a podcast, add the podcast in there. It's just different ways for people to experience the beauty of yoga and the wisdom. And of course, finding the love within themselves. Mm. So yeah, it's cool to see you do all of that. Absolutely. I really resonate with so much of what you just said. And it's absolutely true. If you open up something like Instagram, you'll see somebody striking a yoga pose next to the pool on a rock in the forest somewhere, probably with a hashtag, you know, stop, drop and do yoga or yoga every, I think, can we swear in this podcast? Oh yeah, Yoga every damn day. And you think, oh, yoga is just putting your body in a certain position. You can do it anywhere. And that is the impression that many people give off, including talented yoga teachers, because they're just trying to demonstrate something it is that they do. Mm -hmm. But you bring up a very important point that yoga is a practice. We are practicing this particular thing on our little mats in hopes that we can continue that practice on or off the mat mm-hmm. and in our lives, right? So we are practicing clearing the mind, practicing opening the heart, practicing living with intention mm-hmm. so that we then carry it with us wherever we go. And that mm-hmm. is one of the most beautiful things I love about yoga is you don't need a gym with a bunch of equipment, you, like a sport, you don't need a big field. All you need is your little two foot by six foot square, uh, square foot of space in order to connect with your breath and connect with your body. And you can practice it anywhere. If you were to Mm -hmm. pause for 30 seconds and connect to your breath and put Mm -hmm. one hand on your heart and connect to the love inside of you, that is also yoga, Mm -hmm. but might not look like what most people think of yoga as. Mm -hmm. I think so. And I think, again, that's why when people are afraid to try yoga or they're, or they all, I mean, and I think also some people will look at yoga and they're like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's like a cult, like those people (laughs) hug trees and, you know, they, they chant and they do this weird ohm and they do this, whatever. And I'm like, if you guys would just do it a few times and 
realize like how great your body feels after you do three or four ohms at the end of a class or before class to set an intention or to create a vibration within your body, Hmm. you would understand that it really has nothing to do with us sounding like a bunch of wackos on a mat. (laughs) I guess it's just more awareness in the space, but I'm constantly preaching that. Like I'm constantly telling people and I don't know, converting them, but that's just, yeah, I guess that's been my thing is just helping people mm. understand that it's just more than a mat and yoga poses. There's so much, there's such a greater power behind that. So moving to your, a little bit away from yoga and into your love courses or your love, your, your passion for teaching love, having people like witness and feel that love within themselves. Mm. How did that spring into your world, if you will? Mm. It's an excellent question. And part of my work in the world reflects some of my own difficulty in the world of living from a place of love. Because once I came to the decision that we are on this planet to love, I was like, okay, how can I earn a living, make a living um, while continuing to spread love throughout the world? And I found it to be extraordinarily difficult. Mm. You cannot go to a college and major in love or minor in <laughs> compassion. You cannot apply to a job at Love Incorporated, <laughs> or at least they're not hiring or who right. knows. And so I sought to remedy that a little bit, right? So love schools by and large didn't quite exist. So I kind of created my own love school that I call the Heart Center. And we do have public programs and workshops all designed around opening the heart. So we've done a number of compassion cultivation trainings, a number of mindful self-compassion trainings, a number of nonviolent communication trainings. I'm always on the lookout for just really incredible programs that can help us all have better relationships with others and also ourselves. And it goes a little bit back again into intention is kind of wake up and think, how can I best live from love today? What's the absolute best thing that I can do? Mm -hmm. So even with teaching yoga, I do see it as just service. This is to me, one of the paths that we call karma yoga, Mm -hmm. the path of selfless service and serving others. I do teach trainers uh, or I teach people to become yoga teachers. And I tell them like, it's not easy. It's not sunshine and rainbows and green juice and walking around barefoot. There's struggles in building the career, just like there is in any other career. So you really have to love it. You have to have it be your calling. You have to see it as service, not just a way to get money to put food on the table. And that to me is another really key piece of love is that of selfless service, right? Mm-hmm. I think some of the great gurus, teachers, saints, and mystics have all said that giving, generosity, and the path of helping others is crucial to our spirituality and to the work that we can do in the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm often inspired by the words of Mother Teresa and the work that she, that she has done. And that is the work that I also see for myself is how can I best be of service to others on their own path? That's beautiful. When people think of, again, like I, like the whole yoga and the whole love concept, I think that it, a lot of people, I think have a really hard time understanding how you can love unconditionally or love. You see a lot of people in the industry, just self-absorbed. With the yoga what, industry. <laughs> well, 
like I no, want to say true. like in the self-help. So mm, mm-hmm. coming into the self-help industry, right. Brings me to your, your poem about it's called improvement. And you talk about self-help, like by the, by the very words of self-help, why are we trying to improve us? If we are made of the stars, if we are made of the, the collective wisdom of source, God, creation, whatever it is, mm-hmm. how is there, how is there like the self-help? How is there the, and I think that people, and I know that was kind of a tangent, but people can be a little self-absorbed. And when we go back to that unconditional kind of space, I think people have a really hard time with that. Meaning like, let's say you have a hundred thousand or you have a million subscribers on your podcast. I don't even know what's normal about subscribers of a podcast and you have a million downloads and you have, you know, Deepak Chopra asking you to be on his show and Oprah's after you and Gabby Bernstein and all these people. Right. And then I call you and I'm like, Hey Zach, do you want to be on my podcast? And you're like, wait, Caroline, wait a second. You only have, I don't know, a hundred downloads. No, (laughs) come back to me when you have X, Y, Z. I get some of that sometimes, but then it takes it out of like that whole, like, what are we here for? Are we here to help others um, on this path? Are we here to just share our knowledge and share our wisdom and be one with each other? Because each one of us is a part of each one of us. Or are we here to be like, well, you know, you're not really part of my thing. So I don't, do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I like the whole concept of you not being that person. And not that those people did that to me, but I'm saying you could have very easily said, you know what, Caroline, you're kind of like not in my league here today. So <laughs> I don't, but you mm. know what? You just said, you know what? I want to share my book. I want to share my new book that's coming out. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. If I can help share your wisdom with five people or 10 people or a hundred people or a thousand people or however many people I'm down for it. I don't care if you have two followers or if you have a million followers, it doesn't matter to me. It's all part of the collective. And I think because of your message and because of how you resonate, I think that's why that was not your first question with me. Like you didn't come back to me and say, what are your metrics? Because I have had plenty of people say that to me. Mm -hmm. What are Mm -hmm. your metrics? And if it doesn't resonate or if it doesn't, if their numbers are not with what you think they should be, they don't want anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm, I'm appreciative, very appreciative that you, you know, you, you did this with me today. Well, one idea I simply keep coming back to is helping one person is enough. Right. If you today were help were able to help one person, maybe smile a little bit more, maybe take some burden off of their own shoulders, you've done enough. Mm-hmm. So even if one person today on your podcast listening to this connects with this message, my work is complete. Right. And if that person listening to this can make somebody else smile today, then that person's work is complete. And it's absolutely true, many of the points that you bring up, and it ties a little bit into what we were talking about earlier around how many people's misgivings about yoga 
are actually misconceptions about what yoga is. Some people think it's cultish. Others think it's only for thin, hypermobile white women to do. And those misgivings can also revolve around what is often referred to as the spiritual ego, Mm -hmm. right? Although yoga is intended to help us let go of and deflate or dissolve our ego, believe it or not, I know this can be hard to believe, but there are some people in the yoga world who actually have inflated egos, who actually are using their practice to self-angradize and to turn it into all being all about them. And this to me is just a consequence of what I call post-lineage yoga, which we are currently in. Mm -hmm. Many people think that they can invent or create a new type of yoga. They don't have to necessarily say who their teachers were or to be connected to a spiritual lineage. Because if you were connected to any sort of spiritual lineage, you would have been warned ahead of time of what is known (laughs) as the spiritual ego, which is a trap. Right. right. You look at the old texts and they'll warn you, like, if you start on this path of meditation, self-improvement, you're going to think it's just an artificial byproduct that you're now better, more conscious, more evolved than somebody not on the path. Mm-hmm. So if you had a, you know, a teacher who was connected to a certain practice or lineage, they would have warned you about this mm-hmm. phenomenon and they would have told you, you're not any better than anyone else, right? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite phrases is that enlightenment means you become of no rank. So no rank whatsoever. You're not better or worse than the king and queen. You're not better or worse than somebody on the lowest rank of the caste system or anything along those lines. And you're absolutely right that in our culture, we have a very stratified society, right? Mm -hmm. The well-to-do rich people want to hang out in their neighborhoods and only associate with other well-to-do rich people. Celebrities only want to have other celebrities on their podcast. And part of our path is putting us all on the same level, right? Mm -hmm. Realizing that you're not better or worse than anybody else. And in the terms of Ram Das, we're all just simply walking each other home. Mm -hmm. And even if nobody listens to this podcast, guess who's listening? I'm listening. You're listening. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And it's a beautiful conversation. I can learn a little bit about you and something from you. And you can learn a little bit about me and something from me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when people learn that they, they have like this power and this wisdom within themselves that they are able to uncover, like I was on an interview this morning and I said, you know what, my goal through the work that I do is not to create a student that, that feels like they have to live every single day of their life to have to come back to me for all of this wisdom and knowledge and da, 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 over and over. My goal is to help you uncover the guru and the, and your own inner like wisdom healing person from within that you already are. It's just Mm. you being able to uncover that within yourself and teaching you the tools and the practices and the, and just the, um, the ability to, to witness that within yourself, because mm-hmm. I don't want anybody reliant on me for years and years and years and years. I mean, I have my own kids for that. I don't need another group of people to worry about showing up to my class or my practices or whatever it is that I do to have to like, listen to me, tell them what to do every day and to how mm-hmm. to be, they need mm-hmm. to learn how to uncover that within themselves. And I think that your work really allows that process in people to unfold 
and just makes them witness to their own greatness and their own inner love. Because we have to love ourselves first before we can love others, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? Kind of. To a certain extent, right? I know many people who, you know, nurses, firemen, people who do incredible work of saving the world, helping others who aren't Mm -hmm. the best at loving themselves. But it is true that loving yourself will increase the quality of your relationships. Mm -hmm. But speaking into some other things that you mentioned, one etymology that I really enjoy is this idea of what education truly is. Mm -hmm. And education comes from the word educe. And when you educe something, you bring forth what is within, right? Mm -hmm. And we do have this narrative in our modern education system that learning involves taking this external knowledge and stuffing it you know into your right. own brain right but something that we learn in contemplative practices and meditation and in yoga is that we have an innate source of wisdom inside of us that we can get in touch with mm-hmm. and there's a big difference between gaining knowledge and becoming wise mm. which is not just having a certain understanding about the universe but also embodying it with your mm-hmm. full heart, full mind, and full presence. Mm-hmm. I forgot what else I was going to say about that. <laughs> but no, I totally understand that concept. And it's really true how there's such a difference between knowing something and then embodying it. Because mm-hmm. you can you can go to yoga and you can swear up and down that you're like the best yogi on the planet, but then you go to like Starbucks or wherever it is that you shop or do something and you just completely like rant off on somebody. And yes, that kind of goes into like, well, you're not a textbook yogi because yogis would be peaceful and yogis would be whatever, whatever, whatever. And that's a whole nother sidebar, but it's that embodiment of, I have the wisdom, but I'm choosing to use it in this way. But if you're not quiet enough and you're not willing to absorb that that whole um like energy of what the true yogis preach then it's hard to see that transfer of how that applies to life and how people can take that out into the world if they're just doing yoga as a practice but they're not really practicing as a yogi does that Mm -hmm. make sense Absolutely. There's this quote by the Vietnamese monk Thich Nhat Hanh that I really love. And he writes that it is not by preaching or expounding the sutras that you fulfill the task of awakening others to self-realization. It is rather by the way you walk, the way you stand, the way you sit, and the way that you see things. Mm -hmm. And I remembered what I was going to mention earlier, because I found as a teacher, like, there's very little you can do to force knowledge, like there's very little teaching, I almost Mm -hmm. think I'm not teaching anything. All I'm doing is pointing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's up to the student whether or not they want to look at where I'm pointing. But I'm saying, listen to your breath, what can the breath teach you about the about the process of life, right? Mm Listen to your heart. What is your heart trying to say? How are you holding your body, right? First thing when you come into class, like how is your posture right now? And then what happens if you draw your shoulders back, if you lift mm-hmm. your heart up, if you lift your chin up? How does that feel? Mm-hmm. After doing all these postures and resting in Shavasana, after we settle the mind, what is there when there's no mind? What happens mm-hmm. when we drop out of the mind? Is there anything there, mm-hmm. right? And that's all it is to me is just pointing, pointing, pointing so that the student eventually will look within and find out that everything they seek is already within them. 
Mm-hmm. So true. It makes me like wish that I was in a yoga class with you right now. Like we were doing yoga and you were walking <laughs> me through all of this. Oh my gosh. So good. I don't live in California. I'm in Florida. So. Well, this is yoga too. I'm telling yeah, you. I know. Yoga know. is a way of life. It's a way of speaking. I know. I know. But you know, sometimes it's so, it's such a beautiful thing when you practice with people that really embody the whole thing like they get the whole picture and you really are able to like you said drop into that those little like nuances of you know how are you holding yourself how are you breathing how are you judging yourself in this position are you going inward are we fighting because we can't stay in eagle or we're losing our balance when we're in half moon all of these things and Mm -hmm. i think that that's that's where the whole practice comes into play is that we're able to look at how we talk to ourselves, even internally in those poses. Mm. And so, you know, reminding people that yes, you are an Eagle and yes, we are focusing and wrapping up inward and we are focusing inward, but the whole point is then to eventually open up and Mm. fly. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. I really love how you mentioned that we want to look at how we talk to ourselves because mm-hmm. that's really key, right? If you want to stay in your center, you have to know which direction you're going, right? If you're going down the street, going a little bit to the right, you got to go to the left. So one of the things that we do in yoga is of course, cultivate a certain level of awareness, but we learn to watch the mind without getting mm-hmm. so caught up in it. Right. And the mind, whoa, howdy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And often we have those self-critical, self-judgmental thoughts. We think, oh, our body should be doing this, or I'm a bad yogi because my body isn't doing this. And that's key. That's key is cultivating that awareness that, hey, is that inner critic? Is that inner judgment? Is that serving you? Is it helping you? Mm -hmm. And we just are able to learn as time goes on to watch the passing phenomena of the mind to notice our thoughts without getting so caught up in them and to just cultivate a more spacious, open, Mm -hmm. loving awareness. Right. And not judgmental on ourselves. Cause when we judge ourselves, we're going to be very judgmental probably towards other people because we, if we mirror other people, a lot of the times when we find stress and other, what other people are doing, it's just a reflection of what stresses us or what we're stressed about within ourselves. A lot of the times. And yeah, What about your, okay, so I want to move into your book because I'm really, we talked like little briefly about it, the pebbles, and I did not even think of like the whole name and what it actually was (laughs) until you brought it up. So why don't you talk about the pebbles and what, like where the name came from, if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super excited to begin talking about my new poetry collection called Pebbles. And you're actually the first podcast I've gone on to start talking about it. I just announced that this book is happening like last week and it's going to be coming out June 1st. And this will be my third poetry collection. And when you think about what a pebble is, it's small, it's round, and you often they are all together in a big group, right? So I wanted to really conjure up images of a Zen garden, which will often have pebbles that are raked into really beautiful designs. I also wanted to conjure up images of just a river with a bunch of really lovely pebbles that you can almost see through the clarity of the water. So so too, Pebbles is simply a collection of really short, sweet, elegant, 
poems that are really designed to help us cultivate that connection, not just with ourselves, not just with each other, but also with the natural world. So sometimes I think Pebbles is my love letter to the earth Mm. because it is a lot of expression of how beautiful this world that we live in is. I spent a lot of time helping people in their intimate relationships, their romantic relationships, cultivating communities, the retreats and workshops. And I was like, we're missing one more relationship, our relationship with the world around us, with the Mm. natural world. So really Pebbles deals a lot with our connection to nature, the artificial bifurcation that we have between human and nature. We think Mm. we are somehow separate from it. Um, So it deals with interconnection and how by cultivating a loving presence, Mm -hmm. we deepen our connection with the world that is around us. Mm. So when we were talking earlier about learning to observe and notice our thoughts, I was thinking about this one poem that's in the book and it's very short. So as as I mentioned, just a litany of pebbles that you get to open up and read and enjoy. Because one of the things that meditation and that yoga offers us is our ability to notice our thoughts without getting so caught up with them, to be with our emotions without complicating them, Mm -hmm. and to just hold space for whatever challenges, suffering, or pain that we are experiencing in our life. Mm -hmm. So this poem is simply two stanzas. And the first one goes, if you can step out of the fog to see the cloud of your pain for what it is you will know the meaning of freedom. Mm. And the second stanza, it's a bit of a joke. It goes, my kindergarten teacher told me there is a difference between being angry and throwing chairs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And that to me is one of the biggest transformations that meditation or contemplative practice is able to offer is we are able to slowly transition to saying like, I am angry, like Mm -hmm. identifying with our emotion to I'm feeling angry, recognizing it's just a temporary feeling to I am noticing anger arising in my body to simply, wow, there's some anger here and I'm holding it, but I'm going to return to love and come from Mm. a place of love. Right. And that to me is what that spacious awareness is all about. It's having that open heart and that calm mind so that we can notice whatever is real and true for us right now. But remember, our intention is always to come from a place of love, of kindness and understanding. Mm. And even the like when I'm thinking of the fog, sometimes when you see fog at a distance, you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't drive through this. I can't see anything. I can't, you know, you start that panic. But then as you get closer and you begin to like move through it a little bit more, instead of just being aware of it and being afraid of the fog, as you get closer to it and you observe it and you're like, oh, wait, it's not that bad. I can actually see through it as I go through it, but I have to start Mm. going through it in order to see And to know that I'm able to move through it. Mm. And that's kind of like, almost like the way it's like going, you know, entering the cave that you fear holds the treasure that you seek. Mm. You know, it's, it's that same kind of analogy of the fog and the cloud and just stepping outside and being, okay, yeah, I can see Mm. this for what it is. When you throw a big rock into a pond or lake or whatever it is, it just makes like this big, like plunk, right? Mm -hmm. But then when you throw a pebble in, 
you see the ripples mm-hmm. a lot nicer. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's another thing is that your, your words carry ripples through the airwaves. When people share them, they mm. might tell their friend to go buy this book and then they recite these poems in their yoga class or wherever it is that they are. And it just, it continues to have a ripple effect. Mm. And again, it's just beautiful. I love it. Absolutely mm. love it. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate with so much of what you just said. One of having a willi- willingness to enter the fog, mm-hmm. right? And that is what our attention practice is all about, right? It's easy to be present when you're on a cliff. You just hit a long hike. It's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. But the true grist for the mill is when life is hard. And mm-hmm. if we are able to enter into that pain, that's the true meaning of freedom. And sometimes the times in our life where we are experiencing pain and suffering are usually the ones where the future is so unknown, right? Mm, A loved right. one is in the hospital and we don't know what the future is going to be. And that can be like being in the fog, right? right? That can be like not knowing what the future holds. And that's where having the courage to be in this moment, to face this moment becomes so crucial. Mm-hmm. And you also picked up a little bit on the imagery of something like a pebble, And even all this talk about fog, about pebbles, about ripples, to me reflects really the essence of what poetry is, which Mm -hmm. to me, poetry almost captures more of what it is like to be a human being than anything else. Mm -hmm. Because by and large, us human beings, we live in a metaphorical reality, Mm -hmm. as we live a life so much more than what the dictionary can capture. And we use metaphors all the time to make meaning of the world that we live in, to understand that the world of the the world that we live in, and to bring a more embodied sense of what it means to be alive, mm-hmm. right? If I say I'm feeling down, or I'm feeling blue, right? Those are metaphors, mm-hmm. right? And they're meant to really convey that us human beings were more than a literal expression, right. And we have this embodied sense when I'm sad, I feel down. Mm -hmm. I feel, you know, the colors in my life are muted. So, so too, Pebbles is, yeah, designed to conjure up a lot of those same images. Like it's about being grateful for small things in our Mm -hmm. life, appreciating small things in our life, walking on this earth without having such a terrible impact on the environment that is around Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate you bringing up a lot of that imagery. Mm-hmm. Also, the the pebbles are like like life can be very grand. Don't get me wrong, but it's those moments that we experience just the pure bliss of life. You know, mm. being with someone special, or seeing, listening to birds sing, or looking at a beautiful rainbow, or smelling the rain. Like those are moments in time that we can capture, and they're moments. And they're pebble-like, like we don't go through a 24 hour period. I don't think like in pure bliss, like 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I don't think that that exists. And I think those little sporadic pebbles of time that we are able to capture in the mind and in our thoughts and in our feelings and reminisce about are the, are the things that help move us through those foggy periods in life Mm -hmm. that are really hard to get through. 
And we go back to those pebble moments. And then that helps to create that ripple of this is powerful. This is what's going to pull me through this. I remember this part of my life. Life can be actually a beautiful thing right now. It's challenging. And right now I'm having difficulty with it, but I remember the pebbles. I remember the good little nuggets and it sends like this wave of like, okay, today might suck, but I got this. Hmm. I love it. You, the book's not even out yet, and you're already capturing many of the themes just from the title alone, and it makes me so happy. I just like how you said pebble moments. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, I should have, I should have put that in the book. Take it. That's exactly run with it. You know, <laughs> that's exactly what it is about. Um, so, if you want mine, I can share another one. That sure, go ahead. Share two or three because they're pebbles. So go ahead. It, <laughs> this one's a little longer because the book is actually split up into into three sections. First section is pebbles. Second section is pets like mm-hmm. flowers. So the, mm-hmm. the poems mm-hmm. are a little bit longer. Okay. Like maybe four or five stanzas, just like a flower might have four or five petals. So and then brilliant. the last section going. is leaves. So the poems get a little bit longer and sometimes kind of are designed to look like leaves. Um, and then another piece that I really love about what you were saying is and being appreciative for exactly where we are right now, as I have always loved the idea of beginner's mind, seeing every moment fresh, every moment new. And this is something the natural world teaches us. Like everything is constantly reinventing itself when we Mm -hmm. walk out into the earth is everything is either growing or decaying. And no matter what time of day it is or what the weather is, you're going to have totally something new to experience. So none of these poems have titles because I was wanting to shave it all down to the bare necessities, right? I was always Mm -hmm. thinking about how perfection is when nothing can be taken away, not when nothing more can be added. But this is one of the longer ones. It might take 30 seconds. Okay. (laughs) I can do it. Go ahead. So this one goes, look for the pebbles in your life, the small ones making big waves. Those abiding in rivers of light, those in candy wrappers, spring buds, and raindrops, those resting in the night sky and carried by church bells, those handed to you by minds new to the world, and become new to the world, born every moment, as if each blade of grass was singing, there is more joy here than we can ever know. Wow. That gave me chills. (laughs) Wow. So beautiful. Like they're just, yeah, I'm telling you if the whole planet could live like this and see the awe and just everyday things like that, like we would not be at each other's throats all the time. Like we wouldn't (laughs) be in this state of just, it would just be people just appreciating life and this earth for what it is because no one grants us tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I was writing this poem, I was thinking when I was hanging out with my little nephew, who's like three now, you know, we mm-hmm. were just walking and he was like, Zach, look at this beetle. <laughs> and it's like so fascinated. Right. And I'm like, I will look at this beetle and like, I will be present with this beetle. I'm like, that is a cool beetle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, so too, every moment offers so much to be grateful for so much to notice. 
And often even times in life where we're struggling, we can just take a pause and be like, is everything okay? Right? Like, yes, there is this thing that's happening in your life. But right now in this moment, you can probably breathe for five minutes and Mm -hmm. be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. The more people experience those types of things, they realize how many things that they stress over that they really don't need. Like it takes minutes, hours away from their life when they stress out over things. And it's just, it's meaningless at the end of the day. It really is. It's literally just, it's, it's a granule of your life that you can't control or you're not happy with, but you know what? Look at, I don't know, you have a roof over your head and you're healthy as all get out and your family is all well and you have food on Mm -hmm. your table and you have money to buy your groceries or your light bill tomorrow. I mean, yeah, it's not a million dollars in a Ferrari, like you said in the very beginning, but what really matters at the end of the day? Like, would you rather not have all of those things, but you have the Ferrari? If people really sat down and thought about some of these things, like really, really, truly, we would, we would be a different planet. Mm, absolutely. And you bring up so many important points, one of which is the need to drop out of and not rely so much on the thinking mind. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of phrases along the lines of the mind is a great slave, but a terrible master. Or you might know the quote by Mark Twain along the lines of I had 10,000 thoughts today, 9,999 of them I had yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that oftentimes we're lost in thought, caught up in our own thinking, and it's largely unnecessary. Like we can use the thinking mind to decide, okay, how do I need to, you know, what directions do I need in order to go to the grocery store or something like that? But all that endless rumination largely doesn't serve us. And part of our practice of reflecting on what matters is asking ourselves, what really brings me lasting happiness? Mm-hmm. Right. And the answer, of course, is connection, is love and belonging. Mm-hmm. You might know that other quote that some people are, are so rich. No, wait. Some people are so poor, all they have is money. Mm-hmm. Right. And um many people spend and spend their lives like trying to climb that ladder. When they get to the top of the wall, they realize it was the long it was the wrong wall. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, we might think we want that Ferrari because we think it's going to bring us happiness, mm-hmm. right? But when you really get down to it, material things, impermanent passing material things are not the path to happiness, mm-hmm. but deeper love, deeper connection, deeper sense of belonging with others, with ourselves. This is the true path mm-hmm. to happiness. I believe it. I really do. And I don't know, I just, people just need to do more yoga, meditate, (laughs) read your books and be one with themselves. Mm. Mm. I'm just, I think like maybe if we just keep preaching this for long enough and I don't really want to use the word preach because I'm not standing on a soapbox and I'm not a preacher, but it's like, that's what it's all about. And it sounds like we want to hug trees and we're like in, you know, our Birkenstocks and whatever. It's so, it's just true. Like it's, it, there's so much truth and wisdom to that whole concept. And 
I just wish more people embodied it. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm wondering how we might phrase it just to have like just love and compassion versus like everyone should be on this path or everyone needs to do this because we're all on our own path, right? This is my path. And, um, you know, no one needs to be anyone else. Like, uh, True. You know, right? everyone else is taken. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I don't mean, I shouldn't say, I, I shouldn't say the should, like they should, I shouldn't say the shoulds because we could should all day long. But <laughs> I think what I mean is if people were more willing to tune in to the, the ability to find happiness and peace and contentment in the smaller things in life, Mm. then perhaps there would be more peace and understanding among the collective when we actually have to come to the table and go back and forth. We would have that compassion and that understanding and that, okay, what are we really here for at the end of the day? And maybe that's a better way to, because yes, you are you and I am me and the other 8 billion people on the planet are all unique to themselves. But I think creating more love and compassion and understanding on our planet Mm. just makes it the heartbeat of the planet itself so much more healthy and conducive to all of humanity not just you and me on this podcast going back and forth with conversation about how the world potentially could be better. Mm. Cause you are getting right into a huge impetus behind the book because on the one hand, my life, your life, everyone's life is unfolding according to their own karma, their own conditioning, the things they've been taught by society, mm-hmm. culture, about what they, everyone is trying to do the absolute best they can for themselves, right? They're on the path that they think is going to bring them happiness. Unfortunately, our planet is in crisis right now. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's almost less like anyone should be doing anything, but more that we need to do something. If we are to survive. And fortunately, something that we need to do is cultivate that love and connection for each other and for the planet. Mm -hmm. Because the climate crisis was a huge drive for this book because I kept thinking and asking myself, like, why does the destruction Why does the poisoning of our waters and destruction of our land and polluting of our air, why does it continue? And why does it keep continuing? And the root cause to me is separation and the Mm -hmm. illusion of separation Mm -hmm. and this belief that we are all separate, isolated individuals. Right. And we are told to only care about moi right (laughs) miss piggy would say or something um only to care about oneself and that is good for the economy or something like that Mm -hmm. but if we are to cure fix repair societal ills not just the destruction of the planet but everything from racism to sexism to oppression 
to me, these all stem from a sense of separation mm-hmm. that you are doing things to others and mm-hmm. you're somehow not included. And we are in a crisis right now that we as a human species need to figure out how are we going to all coexist on this one planet as one human race and how can we embrace and fulfill the needs of the natural world and live in harmony with that Mm -hmm. because we do need to live need to learn to live in harmony with each other Mm -hmm. and the natural world that sustains us right species are going extinct the all the stats are they'll make anyone go crazy Mm -hmm. right and so we need this we need to do this work right now we need to connect to each other to listen to each other's stories to slow down the thinking mind tap into the hearts stop this endless path of increasing consumption that is only destroying the planet at an increasing rate Mm -hmm. Um, and we need to do this work now there's no time it's mm-hmm. not even a matter of like if you know climate change right. is going to rapidly change right. the landscape of the earth it's about how bad and how much so this right. is work we have to do need to do right now because to me saving the world is saving ourselves saving ourselves is saving the world we are not mm-hmm. separate and we're not separate from each other either mm-hmm. that is true that is very true a lot of wisdom has dropped here on this podcast today pebbles you. to rocks to all kinds of boulders and yeah <laughs> and i think that it's like i said i love the podcasting medium because it's it's such a great way to create this wisdom over the airwaves where i may not know i may not you know know someone in india or africa or germany or wherever it is but they can get their hands on this podcast Somebody mm-hmm. else in another continent can listen to me speaking, whereas that didn't exist. I don't know. How long has podcasting been around? 10 years, 15 years? Like that didn't exist not too long ago. And the fact that we have this ability to create these messages that can multiply themselves over and over and over again, and people can listen to them. And it's just, it's timeless wisdom is just a beautiful thing. And when you have this mission of this cultivating love across the globe and starting within yourself is such a beautiful movement. And I know it, yes, there are other people on the planet that do love movements or whatever, but it takes more than one person to be able to do that. It's not just, we can start with one person, but it also helps when there's lots of us that are helping to get that word across across the globe. Um, I'm just glad that our paths crossed and that I found your pebbles and (laughs) brought them into my little garden of wisdom. Yes. I want to say a few things. First of all, thank you for welcoming me onto your show. It's been a joy speaking with you. And while I simultaneously appreciate you congratulating me on the work it is that I do, I do want to emphasize that there's nothing special about me. I'm simply living from my heart as best I can. And I encourage your listeners also to live from their hearts as best as they can. We are all brothers and sisters on this one planet. And we all can do wonderful, meaningful work. And when we do that work from our heart, that helps us not just heal ourselves, but heal the world. 
So anyone listening, they can plant a tree right now in their backyard tomorrow. Anyone listening can go help somebody that needs it. They can reach out to a friend that they haven't talked to in a while and just say that, that they love and appreciate them. Every day we're offered a million opportunities to improve the world around us. Mm-hmm. I'm trying my best to do that. But guess what? I make mistakes all the time. I wouldn't say at all. I'm some enlightened love master or anything along the that anything along those lines i'm just simply trying my best and that's all any of us can do helping one person is enough so beautiful really and i mean i'm just love this podcast today and i love love like i told you in my in my email i sent you like your t-shirt i love love (laughs) i mean i love like it's so it's so great and i knew if i ordered it i would have never gotten in time to wear it for the for the show but (laughs) i definitely am ordering that shirt because i love love is just right at my anything love hearts i look for hearts everywhere on the planet anywhere i can find Mm. a heart i look for it like i literally look for love all the Mm. time so the fact that i found another person on the planet (laughs) that loves love is good because now i find one other person so that's and i'm sure there's plenty more but you know um like attracts like right like attracts like i have been blessed to have some amazing teachers in my life and amazing colleagues and so too the more i go deeper into this work the more people i discover that are also doing very similar work in the world that also love love and this is the beginning this is the awakening of our Mm -hmm. consciousness and our hearts that we absolutely need as medicine to heal ourselves and the world Mm. the love army here we go (laughs) (laughs) this is how we start if bts can have an army we can too absolutely if people want to find you i know that i'll have all of this on the the podcast page but is there your book is coming out in june right pebbles is coming out june 1st is there anything else that you want people to know that i haven't mentioned that you can mention now about all of your things hmm. everything that you're doing well i absolutely want people to know that they are loved that they are lovable loving and loved and i hope that they also accept themselves just as they are realizing that they are perfectly imperfect wherever they are in the world. And it's true. You can find me on the interwebs. Pretty easy. My name is Zach Beach and you can go to ZachBeach.com. You can, you can pre-order the ebook for Pebbles now, but the paperback and the ebooks will be delivered on June 1st. So if any of the words I said today resonate with you, I encourage you to check it out. But really my website has everything, my socials and my books and my courses and different things like that. If anyone wants to join me, I'll be doing a 200-hour teacher training in Costa Rica in July, but I always have other fun offerings, and I love just to connect with anybody who is curious about living from the heart and who might also be doing work in the world to save this world and save ourselves. So it's been a joy to be here, and thank you again, Caroline, for having me on your wonderful show. Thank you. Such a great conversation, and I really hope that people take the time to go in and research you out because you definitely have lots to share. And of course, by listening to this, you know, how could they should, you know, should, here I go again with the should. Okay. No, (laughs) if you're going to find a love, if it is with you to find, if you need more love, if you feel like you're called And this is just calling out to you because you just want to witness all of the love that we shared here today. Mm. And please go find Zach because 
it's pretty amazing. So with that, I just want to say thank you so much for being here today. I look forward to sharing this with everyone and I really appreciate you taking your time. So yeah, Rumi calls it following the fragrance. Like following this is your life fragrance. path. Is what yes. are you truly drawn towards? What excites you? That yeah. is follow your path there. Yes. So thank you. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And have a blessed rest of your week. Thank you for listening to the show today. I really appreciate and value your time. If you think that someone else could use a listen to this, please reach out and share it with them. And if you want to make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I hope you have an amazing day and that I see you next week on next week's episode. Remember, nothing changes if nothing changes and direction is everything. See you next week, friends.
Thank you.